is a broke billionaire's thing. We don't have no money, but we have ideas, man. So welcome back to another episode of Broke Billionaires, guys. It's been a while since we recorded, and this time it's actually going to be a solo episode uh, with one broke billionaire and uh, a guest that we have on the channel today. Uh, today we're going to be talking a topic that we've never really talked about in the past, but you know, sometimes you got to expand and you know hear about people's new people's ideas and just what the temperature of your audience is and just what the temperature of just people that just listen today are. Um, so we're just going to be discussing things. It's not going to be just necessarily swayed one way or um, to one just one single agenda. We're just going to try to try to be as objective as possible. Um, but um, on the guest, our, but our guest today is uh, someone from the Autumn Glory squad, but not officially from Autumn Glory, uh, is our boy Amir Zarzis. What's Amir, say good, hello to the good. people. Hi, I'm Amir. Uh, I've known Cal for about a couple of years, I think. But uh, yeah. yeah, man. So he's uh, a college student currently, right? Yeah, uh, college student, second year. So uh, he's a sophomore, you guys. Uh, eligible bachelor. Yeah, yeah, you know. Eligible <laughs> bachelor. Eligible bachelor. <laughs> so if we have DMs, uh, what are the <laughs> handles that if we're I, sending if you? Through? If you find my voice, you know, attractive, you know. Hit the DMs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, guys. Let it let us start out by saying he is uh an ethnic an ethnic phenomenon. What please tell the people what you are. Okay, so I'm really mixed, actually. Like oh, he's my dad, really mixed. Okay. My, <laughs> my dad is from uh Bangladesh. He was born and raised there, and my mom is she was born in Ecuador. Okay. And then I was born here in Northern Virginia, so so identifies with both cultures you still have that yeah. american spirit in you so um you know we got we got we got some culture here today so uh, <laughs> today we're going to be discussing a little bit of uh i guess politics uh especially around what happened uh during the election post-election you know presidential thoughts president-elect thoughts and you know just kind of uh what we're thinking about what's uh going on uh in the world today as we speak so amir the first thing that uh you know we kind of wanted to get into was the aftermath of the election uh from your thoughts what did you see or what do you think was surprising um you know post-election or during the election that happened uh that you thought is like oh this is interesting or we should discuss yeah yeah so um i noticed uh during the election probably the whole first like maybe four or five hours of the election. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of there was a lot of votes going towards the the right. You know, and um, like all the like the conservative votes are coming in because you know uh, Trump really he made sure that people wanted that people voted in person and he you know he really emphasized how voting like all. Uh, through mail or absentee ballots is it could uh, result in a miscount or it won't actually be counted or something. Yeah. And like, yeah, I noticed that. And then, you know, as the days went on past the election night, more absentee ballots and mail-in ballots started coming in and the votes started really heavily weighing towards the left. And 
in Biden's favor. And I was like, uh, I thought that was really interesting. You know, one of the funny things is uh, I was actually watching Joe Rogan's uh, uh, like election day. They called it the end of the world stream <laughs> <laughs> for for the election day, and there uh, he was on with Kyle Kalinsky. Who's like, uh, he's like, I guess, a political activist and he's a commentator and stuff. And mm-hmm. they were talking about um, some of these key states that um, the reason that they they have uh, a lot of mail-in ballots is a lot of people from these states move away. And a lot of the people that move and look for jobs are actually happen to be the more left-leaning instead mm-hmm. of staying in the state. And so they weren't surprised that they saw all of these mail-in ballots coming. They were expecting yeah. to see a lot of these mail-in ballots coming. But one of the funny things about this whole thing is, uh, I guess, the the question about are all the ballots fake? Or what were you going to say before I was going to say yeah. that? I, don't know, I was like, and it also has to do with um, people, like, taking the coronavirus seriously, you know? Like, I know Trump is, like, heavily downplayed it and, like, made it seem like, every other week it's going to go away and people are life is going to go back to normal and that people shouldn't be too afraid. And like, it really shows you which, like which kind of people to like really cared about, um, you know, spreading the disease and possibly contracting the disease. Cause more, the more, it seemed like more liberal people that weren't supporting Trump or, you know, following him tended to vote over mail because they didn't want to, you know, risk themselves or risk others of getting, possibly getting corona at like a big polling station or something when people who like are in support of trump they really took what he had to say and like just like most of their votes are all in person and at you know polling stations and stuff like that um do you know what's interesting is i guess this is uh uh one of the the statistics that came out after i guess election day and a, a lot of where um, people were coming out, I guess, protesting the election um, in mm-hmm. whether they were saying, you know, uh, it was in support of Trump or not, um, that there was actually 184,000 new confirmed cases of coronavirus. But I will challenge you this uh, on this, Amir, is I, I wouldn't say that it would just be Trump supporters. Uh, I would yeah. say I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, liberal supporters, whether it be Black Lives Matter, women activists also out in the streets having counter protests to uh, a lot of the Trump That's supporters. True. So I can see like, and some of the videos that and people may not see this as a credible source, but sometimes I view it as a credible source because world star does give a lot of unfiltered, Sorry, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, unfiltered <laughs> videos. Right. And maybe we could clickbait this world star politics. Come join in the fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, even on, <laughs> right but on world star videos i see a lot of people that are you know very anti-cop and very anti-authoritarian screaming in the faces of cops with no masks spitting on their faces uh which i think is also disrespectful too um yeah. no one should be spitting in anybody's face but i could see both sides how you know they and just as there's a protest for one side to not you know, in, 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 you know, against the election, I'm sure there are, there are a decent portion of people that are going to come out and also say, I, uh, you guys are wrong. The, these are the things that are important to us too. So it could see, I could see a balance of, you know, more anger, but I could see that there's a counterbalance of people just also contributing to the problem as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's true. People, I mean, it is kind of hypocritical because of like 
people are protesting, like counter protesting, but like it's kind of like like um what's it called? Defeating like the the point, you know, like people protesting in streets and they're not half the time they're not having masks because they also, you know, they're trying to yell and stuff and like exactly be heard, but like it's it's really like not supporting anything because both you guys are both both sides are doing the wrong, I guess you know? like here, I guess here, here's a question that comes to mind now that I think it is, is kind of off topic of our we're going to talk about is I guess if you wanted to do a, a very safe version of any kind of protest and try to get a biggest message across, what is the best way to do it in the time during COVID? You know what I'm saying? If you can't really yeah. get out on the streets, what would you think would be the most efficient way? I can't really think of a extremely efficient way I of mean, doing um a mass campaign for you know something i don't know what, what i think what would be i think the use of like trends and like hashtags online like on twitter like during like in june i think it was around june july when black lives matter movement started or at least like really took to the streets and stuff yeah people were also like on twitter using the hashtag black lives matter or blm and like you know providing a lot of resources to help uh protest you know mm-hmm. the police brutality and like systemic mm-hmm. racism i think that honestly helped a lot because a lot of more people became aware and it it gives people like something to look at you know because like half the time people are saying this and they're putting the streets but like the regular old other person who's like opposing it or thinks it's not real or something they really don't care because they're not seeing they're not seeing any evidence and or they're not seeing like you know uh facts and statistics and like the trends the hashtags on twitter will you know, sometimes the people will post links straight to primary sources and people will be able to like easily see, you know, where all this is stemming from and how to counter it, you know? You know what's I interesting? I think that's a good way to, you know, protest over the internet. You know than- what's interesting about that is uh, since I've been like into like just um, Instagram accounts and just how they work is one of the interesting things is if you use too much of the one hush hashtag, though, it can start to shadow ban that hashtag, and that hashtag can go blank. And then it can lead yeah. it to other things that are, you know, disingenuous. Or, and, and I think that's an easy way to manipulate information on the internet, too, is when they were doing the whole Blackout Tuesday thing, how they were saying use this specific hashtag as opposed to this hashtag because it leads to something yeah, that's that not productive. Um, so I think that being careful with those kind of campaigns is also, uh, you know, you have to be strategic in the way you, yeah, you know, you, you like set them out. Um, because just as way, just as you can, you know, get information across very quickly, you can spread disinformation just as quickly as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember like the, the whole blackout posts, all the black posts on like Instagram and stuff. And, the Black Lives Matter um, hashtag and like when you would press on it, the whole page was just black posts and there was no there's no more resources. I remember. Oh yeah. So I'm like, I mean, it helps, but like you have to. I think you know, I guess diversifying the resources and how, the, I mean, the names of the trends and stuff like that and like, I don't know. I mean, like, people have. I've, there's been a lot more websites created. And yeah, they have, yeah. or like or like link trees, you know, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that on people's like uh, that. profiles a lot of so, times. Yeah, yeah, and they'll have links to other sites and databases, but I don't know. 
Um, so uh, the next thing that we were going to kind of get into, I guess, I guess one thing I thought was interesting, too, as I was reading, actually, and during some of my research is that there's also a time in which American presidents also had a shaky handoff of presidency. And I saw that between uh, Lyndon Johnson and Nixon and how he was actually meddling in the affairs, like foreign affairs with Vietnam. And um, one of the interesting things about that is you have Nixon kind of undermining Johnson's authority. And what Johnson is saying is, is to Nixon is essentially that, you know, if other countries in this nation see that, you know, we're having a shaky handoff, it makes it seem like we can't handle our political affairs in a professional manner. And other countries will see that as a sign of weakness. And during that time of confusion, and I've seen this in a lot of other countries, especially I've seen it happen in Yemen when we talked about our Yemen podcast. Um, uh, shameless plug, go listen to Yemen. Although, you know, we're not political pundits or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, you can get a rough sketch of what, what happened to Yemen. It was a, actually a crazy humanitarian crisis. Um, but definitely check that out and, you know, keep your eye out on Yemen. I still haven't forgot about them. But um, even during that time, um, it showed it, it let rebels and uh, people, you know, uprise to power and take over the country. And I think one of the things I'm essentially getting at is, you know, we have now a huge tension between, I guess, the Trump administration and the Biden administration. And I guess one of the big questions is, uh, and I don't know what a president can and can't do between now and when they leave office. And do you th- what do you think that will look like coming or leading up to that? And uh, um, I don't know. Is there anything? I don't know. Yeah. Am I missing anything that we should be really concerned about? Or what can he really get passed uh, if so, Trump wanted to get something passed? I do know Trump has been like aiming at filing lawsuits and like towards the election uh because i don't know he uh there's been suspicions on his side that that um there's been miscounts and that um there are added ballots like fake ballots into the polling stations that are being counted at and um i know okay so i read on a bbc article by um anthony zucker uh, zercher that so there's like there's like at least there's five different things that he could do. And so I'm one of them I remember was um he could like uh what's it called? He could block um vote certification uh processes in in states and then like through his lawsuits or through his um his lobbying of uh Republican officials to you know to uh to block these um these uh these votes and basically you know lessen biden's um counted votes but i also um i guess one of the things i think about is there are certain key states that he really needed to win i think it was like pennsylvania was it Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Nevada, or, uh, or was Arizona. It Arizona? It was Arizona and Georgia, right? Yeah. And I guess one of the things I think about all is first, um, I was I always say this, I guess, in the episode, and maybe 
essentially someone's going to roast me in the, in the comment section or say, this guy says this all the time. But I was listening to a podcast between Joe Rogan and Dave Smith talk about um, just how difficult it would be to overturn an election first. And second, it's um, they don't like to admit this, but there is always, you know, election fraud in every election. So and never has it been a uh, a time where it's been enough, I guess, to swing an election that maybe we don't know. But mm-hmm. what I did read is that many people think that this was the securest election that there was. Um, and I guess my other question is how, you know, how much would it take to even overturn? And I, it's probably incredibly difficult to, you know, close the gap in some of these states for these votes. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it really was a big win for Biden. I mean, there was, what was it? 306 to like 306 to 232. So yeah, that's how much it, was. uh, it wasn't. It wasn't even a close one. And he had, he also had like a lot of the popular vote as well. Um, 79, 79 million to 73 million. And so, I mean, Trump has been, he's been like filing lawsuits and trying to find different ways to attack the, you know, flipping of votes. But I'm not, I don't think there's any one solid concrete way to actually fully change this because it was such a big landslide victory, you know, for Biden and Kamala Harris. Um, do you know they did a, a, like a poll and it said a recent Reuters slash IPSOS poll found that nearly 80% of Americans believe that Mr. Biden won including about 60% of those uh, being Republican. So, or I guess, including about 60% of Republicans that voted inside that poll also believe that he won. So I guess, you know, that gets, if this, you know, poll is accurate and, you know, as you, today, the way, in the way media is always skewed be towards an agenda. Um, I was just listening to that on someone else's um, channel, but like, I don't I don't know if journalism will ever be the way it was anymore. Uh I think it's really swayed towards one opinion these um, days and you can definitely see where that is. But it's interesting to note that um I did notice this throughout the entire time. Well, kind of the entire time. Um at Fox, they kind of supported Trump and now it seems like they've completely dumped him because I've seen some stuff on Worldstar where this yeah. guy was arguing uh, a Trump. Uh, she's like, I guess, one of the legal advisors. And he's mm-hmm. telling her that, you know, how are you guys going to fight this? Uh, there's not a way that you guys will be able to prove something like this. Yeah, even even Trump, actually, he even now he's discrediting Fox News, uh, calling them fake. I saw he on his Twitter, I think um, he actually oh, his, his that out. a magical place. Yeah, and then and now he's um he's like endorsing this other um news uh news source called like OAN or something or OANN and like they're a smaller news network, but I think it's like based in California or something, surprisingly. But <laughs> it's uh they're like really pro Donald Trump and like super far right, but you know, I mean I know Fox News is they're usually right, but I but like 
ever since now since like it's been like a couple weeks since the election ended like they're they're really just own living up to it and like you know owning up to the fact that he lost but this other news network is like really fighting for trump and stuff like that in their in their you know their broadcast news. yeah um i guess you know one of the things i also think about now is um if you know everything is transferred over to biden now um how do you how would he even mend a country like this now i have not in all my reading and all my understanding of american politics up until this point it never has there been a time in which a country our country has been divided like this and regardless of which way the election would have went it would have been divided just as much i think as yep. it is now um trump supporters are probably extremely angry that their president only lasted you know a f- one, one term and that's only happened i think twice in american history um yeah i think it was clinton or was it a- i forgot who it was i think it's only happened twice that's i i think that's i know it struck me as weird because i was like oh this probably hasn't happened in a while so and then i looked it up i think it was like twice it might be the second and um uh the fact that you know people on the you know the left side are more left-leaning finally got rid of a a president that was clearly from a lot of his actions and the way he spoke uh he seemed to be a racist as we've known <laughs> um but um and just among other things he just doesn't make smart a lot of smart decisions and even just the way he conducts himself on social media make him yeah. uh, a questionable leader very questionable leader uh, uh so i just think it, how is he going to be able to mend a country like this i don't know if there's you know it's going to get much how yeah. much better it's going to get there's going to be a lot more rough be- before there is there is i don't know like smooth sailing you know what i mean yeah it was so it was actually george h bush the you know oh the other person guy. yeah yeah the last yeah. well that was the last time it actually happened many times but i, I heard last a joke. Time was 1992. i heard a, i heard a joke the, the other day that said oh george the George Bush, one of the most uh, notorious <laughs> families in American history. <laughs> I, I definitely yeah. agree with that. I definitely agree yeah. with that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole war and everything. This guy lied us into a war. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, I don't know how he would, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, how would I mean, start to even, what would be the first step forward? Can he, what can you deliver on right now? I feel like something big is like um i know a lot of um conservative belief is that the raising taxes is gonna like really hurt a lot of people but because that's what biden is planning on doing and i think his his but his plan to raise taxes is really not on like anyone in the middle class or even like upper class it's really like towards the people who are you know millionaires and stuff so i feel like it, that that like misconception has to be kind of changed over a lot of people and like um you know i think biden and kamala also like they're 
you know, I feel like they're they're gonna bring back like normalcy, you know, like a president who's I feel like more stable and you know emotionally stable as well, and can like you know, um, I guess provide like professionalism, you know, and I feel like yeah. um, just having that back in in the office is something that might help people, you know, feel more at ease when you know decisions are being made and enacted you know so i mean i know there was that big scare back in i think january with uh with the iran or iraq i think when um they were when i when they killed that official they assassinated oh, him uh, uh Suleimani, i think Suleimani. i think that's his name we yeah. did an episode on him yeah yeah uh, so I how that like could uh, that had a lot of people attention with uh, iran yeah i remember because he was a high yeah. ranking official and a lot of people had dedicated because he was like a, he was a very smart, a smart strategist in the army. Yeah. Um, so, so he, and he was a patriot and nationalist for the, you know, Iran. So. And, yeah. And it really just came out of nowhere too. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, you know, you have Trump with Twitter fingers. I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's going to be, you know, the side, I guess decorum, decorum, yeah. you know, use that as a <laughs> word, the oh, decorum yeah. on social media websites coming back is going to be a nice thing. Uh, you yeah. don't have people on social media telling you to put bleach in your arms. I never saw the tweet <laughs> myself. I only heard about it. And I heard people actually did it, which is very crazy. Oh, really? to yeah, people apparently did try to put bleach in their arms when Trump said that it could be uh, one yeah, of he uh, was saying like, yeah, it could help towards uh, having COVID, which is... Yeah, and know, I also, I think, I think Biden's trust in science will also... <laughs> Will also bring people more at ease. I feel like in United, because like I know Trump has like undermined every single like um, argument that has come from science. You know, support and every time he just believes that it's fake news or that it's not actually proven or something. And like I know he's um really gone against uh, Dr. Fauci a lot and in his findings. And so I feel like somebody who believes in science, you know, and endorses facts and and uh you know evidence is also good but... yeah i would say especially i always give a caveat to this especially research well-documented science um because we've always still seen during the time that trump was going during the whole beginning of the pandemic that there was many misconceptions between different science organizations as to the way even COVID was transmitted. Sometimes they said that it can last on a box for 10 to, you know, however, 14 days. And then they said, oh, you can only get it through air. Uh, and then they went back on the statements. It's like sometimes I feel like even during times like this, and this is not to just give Trump credit to say that he handled it correctly because I don't know if he did handle it correctly. I don't think he that he did at all. But I will say that the science community, um, I feel if there was a lot of a lot more consistency between the messages, it would be a lot easier. So I guess the one message or the one thing I would say uh, it, as Biden goes forward is I wish there was more a one a little bit more centralization in the sharing between facts and knowledge of science, uh, because even now you have uh, a lot of or pharmaceutical companies saying that they have the vaccine ready and you don't know whether you know they're sharing the same formula and at the end of the day 
uh, to what end is it for a profit? You know, because if they're if they're gonna make money off this, and this is not just for, you know, the benefit of the people, um, we just yeah. want to make sure that it's safe always at the end of the day, and that um, you know, that there's uh, you know, more consistency in the message to the yeah. general public as to what we should and shouldn't do, and. Uh, just in terms of the economy for the nation too, you know what I mean. I know in your in your last uh, podcast, you guys were talking about vaccines and mm-hmm. and whether you know they're good for the people or if they're just you know profitable or something for big pharma and stuff like that. And like exactly, that's that's a big part of it too, because there has to be a, a trust between the people and these organizations, you know. Yeah. And I think if if that trust is um, realized and if if people can buy into the fact that these vaccines will work or if they do work, you know, to, to really uh, take them and believe in them and stuff like that, it, it'll help. And like, I mean, it'll really, it'll like change. It'll really change the clock on us. And like, you know, cause I feel like we were really delayed in our, in our COVID response, you know, compared to other countries. Oh yeah. I don't even know if other countries are having problems. I don't hear about other countries having as many problems. I heard mm-hmm. that actually some places are, I heard the UK maybe will go into shutdown again, maybe now, but now yeah. I hear about it. But before it was like silent for a while. It was just like dead. It, it almost seemed yeah. like it was only the US that was It was yeah. honestly like many nations going down gradually or then the US growing up still gradually. Yeah. I know I know countries like um, you know, more island like countries, uh Japan I think was really low. Um Korea was also kinda low, but then they spiked up again. I know New Zealand is like Virtually non-existent, I think. I don't know. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're is it New Zealand island off Australia, so they have, they don't have anything yeah. to worry about, right? Yeah, but I Europe recently went back up. Um, that's I feel like people were just getting starting to get too comfortable. They just should have just, you know, stayed the course a little longer. We really could have got it gone, but now it's gonna go back up. You know, I feel like it's. America, we have to like everyone. I feel like if it, I think the problem with um, the U.S. and why, um, you know, corona cases aren't going down and people aren't not everyone is following uh, regulations is because it's such a like mixed population. You know, in countries like like uh, Japan or or Korea, their population is very like homogenous. You know, there's not a lot of immigrants or anything, and like people are all usually buying into whatever the top the you know people are saying and like the organizations but i feel like there's so much diversity in america that it actually hurts um the country because people aren't not everyone is buying into the same belief or the same you know instructions and it like really creates a rift and stuff do you know what i think is interesting is um uh i will add to that I think one of the things that sets America apart from a lot of other countries, though, too, is this idea that America, as Americans, innately, you know, there's this belief that you have this right to certain freedoms. Um, And, you know, when a lot of people feel like certain freedoms are taken away from them, they feel this need to rebel. When in American history has there been a time in which people have had to stay home or the government has told them that they had to stay home? There's no situation like this unless it's anything similar to martial law. You know what I'm saying? There's never been a time 
for in history for Americans where the government could tell you you can have only a certain amount of people in your house. You can't visit, you know, people during a time like almost Thanksgiving is coming up. So uh, we're recording this before Thanksgiving. So they and, you know, you're seeing all these policies that say, oh, you can't visit this person and this person. You can't travel between this and this. And as Americans, a lot of people to their core belief that you should have these rights. And I could see that people might want to rebel against this and also might want not want to believe that coronavirus is real at the same time. So I'm not so yeah. surprised that, you know, we see such a spike in some of the cases, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. it also makes me fearful of one thing. And, um, and you always have to be wary of the government in this fact. And it's how they sometimes establish power. Um, just with like the Bush administration and when the 9-11 attacks happened, right? Mm-hmm. When all of that went down and, you know, the Twin Towers fell and now the the country was really scared about another terrorist attack, right? And what the government did was uh, they had the Patriot Act and then, you know, you had mass surveillance with the NSA and them type, tapping into our phones, Correct. Right. And then now you have a situation like coronavirus is in which now they're telling us certain things we can and can't do. And we know that we've never been able to go back to pre 9-11. Right. And even like people like Edward Snowden, who came out and said, like the, you know, the NSA and the government is spying on us uh, to a degree to which you guys will not believe he's been convicted and now he lives in Russia. Right. And even though laws to protect whistleblowers, you have this man that did all of these, all of us Americans a favor, and now he has to live abroad. And you have to think to yourself is how could this be used or weaponized against us now? Because never in an instance of history has a government gotten power and then gave it back to the people. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, you know, we got away with this. I wonder what else we can get away with. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like um, it's just, what was it? I was going to say something. I forgot. Because um, I always think like now is like, would they be start tracking us? You know, if you did a certain thing, do you have to have a certain list of criteria before you leave home? Or do you have to, in the future, would it be uh, certain things in your medical records that make you able to travel? <laughs> or for them to be able to say you can and can't leave here. Yeah, so I know. If anything like this, it will be ever weaponized against us in the future. That's yeah, that's the really breach of privacy, there. really. Yeah, it's breach of, of privacy. It's like I have people like they're they're surveilling and and then they just they they just keep on taking and taking and and then it. Just, Just like, and like people, know, what's it called? The government will be able to see this, or you should, like I, I know uh, recently there's reports that um, this, so there's this app called okay. Muslim Pro, and it's like it uh, it it's like an app where you can it'll remind you when prayer when prayers are or like, you know, it'll just give you, it's like a it's like a Bible yeah, app, like you know, it's like it, and it, it tells it you when you, you're supposed to pray. Yeah, verses and stuff like that. Okay, yeah, definitely. basically. 
And uh, so there's been reports recently that got out, and like a lot of people are going over, going crazy over this because apparently um, they found out that uh, in, like people who have made accounts on that on that app, their their specific like contact information and and like name and address and stuff was has been like secretly yes. sent and like seen by the U.S. military or something. Liar. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, and so like, I've seen like a bunch of posts on Instagram and Instagram stories and stuff, and people are like all saying to delete it and everything, and it's like, okay. it's like, I mean, I I see that's bad, you know, but yeah. it's also like I feel like your privacy is already breached if you're if you have a Facebook account if you have a Instagram account because there's been so many like um, reports already of like you know Facebook like and not being completely transparent on what they do with your information and your data and everything. And it's like, I mean, it's good. It's good to be wary, but it's like, um, you should have already been wary. Like this, this has been happening and like people, the government can, I feel like they can already see almost everything about you. Like yeah. without you even knowing without your consent. That's, you know, that's very interesting. And I don't know if I brought this up in the la- my last podcast, because um, I can't even remember, but uh, I talked about in our la- last podcast about how data is very important and how, um, it, you know, I think it's a little <laughs> bit more important than to just be wary because <clears throat> I know, ex- for example, what Facebook has done is they've destroyed whole countries with social media. Um, like countries like Myanmar, which Tristan, I think his name, Tristan Harris, who is one of the creators of the social um, the social dilemma, he came on the Joe Rogan podcast and talked about how they there will be mass disinformation spreads on Facebook and accounts like that that cause, you know, rifts between you know ethnic groups and countries and then war breaks out right and so if there's not a better surveillance of media and social companies and how they handle themselves i think that there could also be a problem so um i don't know i um i I forgot where we trained (laughs) off this but that is important to watch but back to the whole decorum of a president i guess (laughs) yeah no, that's I think that's where we originally tangent. Yeah, off. really far off. <laughs> yeah, um, we went down the rabbit hole in that one. But back to the decorum of a president is it'll be interesting to see that you know yeah. I, well, you won't have to see I guess worry I guess worry about him tweeting at two o'clock in the morning, which I think is a problem with Trump. Man, <laughs> you never know what he was gonna say on there. Yeah, and- I'm surprised he was allowed to tweet from his own. Like I didn't. I thought he would have like maybe like a, a second a middleman, you know, who would who make his announcements or whatever for him. but And I think the thing with Trump is he had enough money that he couldn't be swayed by any political agenda. You know, anybody, if, if you can fund your own campaign, you can really set your own rules. Because at the end of the day, let's be honest, the way that Capitol Hill ro- runs and the way the government runs is by whoever is, pays the most money to get legislation passed a lot of Honestly. Time, right? Yeah. And we know that, you know, if you don't have enough money, that you're going to have to say yes here and there, and you're going to have to compromise on values. And that's why whenever 
you know, someone gets in office, not a lot of policies that they say that, you know, they say are going to get done, get done. You know, there's a, 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 it's like a compromise. It's like, we really hope our president can get a majority of these things done because we know that they're running on a dream. That's what they're really running on. They're selling us uh, a lot of dreams and we're hoping that we can make a portion of those dreams a reality. We know this in science. Uh, when you do a reaction, you're not going to get 100% yield in any reaction. You know, you'd only get 74%, 64, 60%, and that would be considered good. So even with a presidency, if we can hope to get 50% of things accomplished, I would view that as a, as a success. Yeah. Um, I think, I think um, what's it called? Like the fact that um, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of new, like younger representatives in the government, like, AOC and Ilhan Omar and um, among others and like I feel like these people are really like really beneficial to the future of America too because you know I feel like they really speak to the younger people and I feel like most of the past representatives in the government and stuff have all been it tends to be like a older white man or something or older white woman and they really I feel like they're doing things more for the for the immediate economy but not anything for the future or like you know for anything pertaining to the environment or um health or what is it you know i feel like just overall benefits for u.s citizens and it's like being that there are more younger progressive people in in government now because since biden is taking um administration and they'll they'll be able to have more of a voice and hopefully get more policies passed that um that really help out um you know the the now generation and and the future you know uh, i'm glad you brought that up is i you know i don't know much about aoc and eline omar i think that's her name right um and i know they're on the left and i have i need to do more reading and see what i hear or read about both of them and hear uh you know views as opposed to them and then maybe i can have you back on here and then we could talk about uh a little bit of the views that they are trying to propose and some of the things that you know they're trying to get past because i always want to give an objective view and so maybe we'll come back um but i guess one of the things that we want to talk about too is um i get interesting theory i guess theory crafting for the future is you know will joe biden last the full four years you know what i mean there is one thing that's been called into question is that is is his cognitive ability going to be able to make it the duration of his presidency? Uh, initial. Yeah, that's a really that's a very real argument to be honest. Yeah. Considering he is, you know, up there, he's not a young man. Like seventy-eight this, years old. So. <laughs> yeah, this election uh, would have had the two would have would have been a debate for whoever was the oldest president in history, <laughs> because Trump, yeah. if he was seventy-four, he would have been been the oldest and even now he's 78 now he was the oldest so these aren't young men and one of the things that people are concerned about is um i have actually seen in a lot of interviews or seen things and i don't know if people don't want to admit um that you know this is a natural part of life i mean um i i don't know how this would be such a far stretch to imagine that someone that is older like him would begin to you know his memory he would have, have health issues in his memory yeah. and, you know start to have health issues and 
you know he's older you know the life expectancy it uh, has actually gone down in the past you know four years in 2016 i think the last time they took it or 2018 is the life expectancy for a man is uh 76 so joe biden's already two years past expiration date and <laughs> the one for women is 81 so uh, that's a real concern. I feel like, yeah. and uh, someone can you know fact check me on that. I think it's like seventy six, seventy eight. But either way, this the, this dude is close. He's you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean he's he. I mean it was it was honestly like a battle of the grandpas watching the debate and everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh and I mean, I mean I I feel like you know there's been pretty old presidents yeah, yeah. in the past but yeah. i mean i think this was he was the oldest elected president in history so but i feel like um you know for what whatever time he has left you know i mean there's a possibility that he could have you know mental issues or health issues albeit like i mean like you know it's inevitable there was um what's it called president who had polio was that Roosevelt or FDR? Oh yeah, it was, I think it was FDR. It's FDR. And, yeah, and so I mean, it. I feel like that's where that's where it's it's good to have a strong vice president to be able to take over or be able to do a lot of things that you may not be able to do, and that's what I think. Uh, you know, having younger vice president like Kamala could help, but at the same time, you're voting for a president. We're not voting. We weren't necessarily voting as Kamala Harris as, you know, president. So concerning, but um, I mean, he knows, I mean, they must, they have, you know, similar ideals and, um, you know, uh, what's it called? Drives in what to do in this presidency. And so um, um, they're just, there's, there's a, there's a trust that the president and, um, we'll be able to rely on the vice president if anything happens. Uh-huh. So, you know, I feel like having that will provide us to stability, but it's always concerning having a older president, you know? Yeah, because, and I want to get back to this about the whole Kamala, Kamala Harris, if she becomes president, because I think it would be interesting. But uh, I wanted to read, like, something that, you know, even Joe Biden said in a couple of interviews. And obviously, we can nitpick between every person, um, you know, here and there saying that in the interview they stuttered. But some of the stuff is kind of actually you just read it and you're just like, you know, this is kind of concerning. You know, this was him talking about, I guess, people and coronavirus. He said, by the way, the 20, the 200 million, the 200,000 people that died on <laughs> watch they or no he said 200 million the 200,000 people that have died in his watch they how many of those and have they survived <laughs> and then you just say how many indeed and then <laughs> the thing he said is last night I and I said when I got in the race we're in the battle for the soul of this country can y'all see me or should I turn this way a little bit um oh yeah you know I know Trump's uh, a constant disregard and willingness to speak to COVID and the fact that 205 million people, 205,000 have died. You know, that's <laughs> a big, big, big disparity. I don't even think there's 205 million people in the U.S. 
<laughs> well, there's 300, but that's still a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, yeah, that, I mean, like, he has, you know, he's a president, so he has all the help in the world, but at the same time, whatever happens going to happen. So, like, yeah, that is true. Yeah, I mean, I you're right. hey, you know, whatever to actually, <laughs> whatever half his actually have, it's like speculating on this up, now. Man. You know what I mean? Like, even if it did happen, like, you know, there's nothing that can be said. It's already done. Like, no matter. And I, I kind of think that, you know, even I think as much as Trump debates or has all these legal battles with all these states, I, I, you know, you know what I think about sometimes how hard it is, even in a soccer game, you know, in a soccer game. And there's a play that's called in the last like overtime minutes. How hard if it is a goal to get that goal overturned? Like that goal is staying in, and that's just a soccer <laughs> game. You know what I mean? These people will die on that. Like, imagine a presidency. You think that this country is gonna let something like that ever get overturned? Like, come on now, like people, like what? Yeah, I know. Way. So yeah, it's gonna be staying like this. And even if something does happen to me, to him, I mean. Uh, there's nothing, no way that we can know. What it, to would, do. it would definitely be very extreme, honestly, because it'd um, have to be something huge to be able to overturn that. Okay, final thoughts for real, for real, yeah, okay. before you want to end this podcast or anything you want to discuss. Uh, um, before we end this episode, this is definitely a good episode. You know, I feel like talking about you know very current events and you know what's going on and like what could happen and what is happening. So that was really important. But um, yeah, I had fun. Thanks for letting me on your podcast. Uh, oh. follow me on Twitter at okay. uh, A-M-R-Z-I-S. And, uh, yeah. Do you have an Instagram so they can see what you look like? Oh, yeah. Instagram is A-M-R-Z-R-Z-I-S. All right, ladies. Y'all know what to do. Hey, it's cuddle season, so get yourself <laughs> a Get yourself a boo. All right, guys. Uh, so that is our, our political episode um, broke millionaires of current events, uh, kind of what's going to be going on, Joe Biden versus Trump, I guess. Um, so as always, let us know your thoughts, and we love y'all. Broke billionaires out. <laughs>